Hello, friends. It is just me, Kirsten, and Josh today. Hello, I'm Josh. Kyla is had a, well, she already had it, but she had tonsil surgery, so she cannot talk. So she's at home resting. She'll be gone for forever. Yeah, you know what? It'd be really funny, though. Like, no one wants to record a podcast after they just had surgery, but, like, depending on how the anesthesia affects them, it could be funny. If it wasn't throat surgery, yeah. like, if it was anything else, it would be a good time. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Welcome. Hello, I'm Joshua. I'm Kirsten. <laughs> this is the weird and suspicious. That's weird. That's suspicious. Mine is slightly all over the place just because I did take notes and then I also found some other things that I want to read off of. So I wanted to talk about Deja Vu. You know, also which is funny because I have this on Do You Get Deja Vu? Deja Vu. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Are you th I'm thinking of Olivia rodriguez oh i don't think so i was like are you thinking Mine of like, like beyonce I, th <laughs> I found it i will try to play it for you okay that's funny it's uh always attached to um like it's like car drifting videos <laughs> i don't it's always just like the background thing. It'll be the lead up and then you'll it'll get to like that part and then you'll just see a car flying like sideways. That's hilarious. Or like, do you know when I get the most deja vu? When I'm drifting, man. And then everyone else who drifts their car is like same. Same. Yeah, I don't know why it's attached to it, but <laughs> that's funny. All right. It means already seen in French, and we all, I'm pretty sure, have experienced deja vu. Have you experienced deja vu, Josh? Um, I experienced deja vu often. And what's really weird is sometimes I experience deja vu, and then I will get deja vu again later, and so it's like I got deja vu from something that happened in the future it was really weird that is really weird like i will get deja vu and then i will remember the first time i had it where i had deja vu it, it was really weird so it's like getting deja vu twice but the second time you remember the first yeah like the first time it's like i don't know why this like feels familiar da 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 and then later it'll be like, I'm getting deja vu of having deja vu. And it was just, it's really weird. That is really That happened weird. to me while I was dog sitting like a month or two ago. And it was really weird. So there is like a small percentage of people. What is it? 3% of people who have never experienced deja vu. And if any of those 3% are listening, which like, honestly, I don't think they are. But in case they are, it is like. You feel like something you've experienced already before, and it feels familiar, but you you know you haven't experienced it. So, like, usually it's like a conversation, like, or an act of doing something. And mine is always when I'm with someone else, and the deja vu has to do specifically with them. So it's like, and then it just feels eerie and unsettling, because you're like, I feel like this has already happened before. And then the person's like, no, it hasn't. And you're like, but it feels like it has. It definitely has. It's like, honestly, it's almost like your brain gaslighting you in its own kind of way. Do you think like to an extent that it is? Oh, yeah. Like, but also, also. I don't know how much you've looked into it, but it's just one of, this is just my train of thought. Um, you know, have you heard of like fourth dimension, like fourth dimensional, whatever, whatever? No. Okay. So, um, do you know, like 
two-dimensional is like a picture, like a drawing that you have. And if you existed on a two-dimensional plane, all you would know is like this flat surface, whatever. And, um, but three-dimensional is like where we're at. But if you're two-dimensional, you can't even like perceive the fact that there could be like more dimensions. Some people think that we are like the fourth dimension would be like time. So we're three-dimensional and we like move around in the third dimension, but a fourth dimensional object could have like the entire universe, whatever. And we experience it as if we're like moving through time. Although it could be like some solid object where everything's like set in stone, whatever. And that would be like a two-dimensional object moving in general would be like, have you ever seen like an MRI get taken? yeah where it's like layers kind of like on top of each other as two-dimensional objects and like moving through that is like us trying to perceive like the third dimension as two-dimensional whatever whatever anyway all that just to say if you think about like the fourth dimension as time then it's like everything that has ever happened is already solidified everything that will happen is already solidified whatever but then that means that you can kind of like interact with it in like the fourth dimension. And so maybe like deja vu is just like a little bit of crossover, a little glitch in like that. In the dimensions? In the dimensions. Okay. I've heard of that theory. All right. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I Because I feel like if you also, if you haven't experienced deja vu, you don't understand like the unsettling part of it are there people that haven't experienced deja vu yeah like three percent of people don't experience it i'm gonna go to work tomorrow and ask everybody have you ever yeah we we should be able to find a person that has never experienced it yeah maybe in the world is a simulation thing Maybe we're the simulation and the 3% of people that don't have deja vu are the real people. Maybe. We just just glitched a little bit further into the future. Dang. That would suck if I wasn't Honestly, I want to be a real person. I want to be real too, yeah. I want to be a real boy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone can be though, unfortunately. Yeah. Um... So part, it's like, like, you have no memory to pull it from, essentially, too, which, like, I think that's part of the reason why it feels weird, because you're like, I have done this before, but, like, there's no memory in my brain to prove that I have done this before. And, like... I don't know. It's especially weird when it's happening in a place that you know you've never been before or with a person that you've literally just met. Oh, yeah. Deja vu with people that you meet is crazy. Yeah. Because then you're like, who is this person? Are yeah. they going to be important in my life? Yeah. Then you're and like, then were we meant to meet? Being... Exactly. <laughs> They're like, oh, we just like talked for two seconds on the street and now we're now we're nothing. Now we're nothing, even though it felt like we were connected by destiny. So the people that get it the most travel a lot, and they are also people who easily remember their dreams, and it happens in the age group of 15 to 25 most commonly. They think it happens more when people are tired or distressed, or distressed, I guess if you're in distress too, I could feel like that goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. They think that it could be connected to epilepsy, which if those who do not know, you have seizures a lot and like things trigger your seizures. Some people think that it's like predictions from the future and we'll get into some of this. So this dude, St. Augustine, he was a philosopher from a really, really long time ago and I said it was just a fast memory, which is a weird way to put it. And then in 1890, Amal Barak, or Mil Barak, I don't know how you say it, I'm sorry. I tried to write it phonetically, but then also I'm like, 
I don't remember what this is. Yeah. He was the first person to call it deja vu, and he was a French philosopher, because it is, like, a French word. Um, And, like, I guess, like, overall deja vu is not anything that's, like, super serious. Uh, Unless it happens frequently, then they could think that it is something neurological? Neurological? Yeah. Um, if you it's, if you're getting it like multiple times a week, and it, then it is a, n- a normal thing, and it's signaling that your temple or it's something in your temporal lobe with the signaling is off, like people with vascular dementia, schizophrenia, and epilepsy are also known to have frequent deja vu, but it is directly linked to those issues. So like. If you're out here like, I get it every other day, you should maybe go see a doctor. <laughs> Might be a sign of some issues. Yeah. It is a sign. It is a sign. Just uh, not the kind of sign you're thinking. <laughs> maybe I should go to the hospital. And another one, or how it does, is it's the hippocampus of your brain. So the definition is the elongated ridges in the floor of each lateral ventricle of the brain thought to be the center of emotion, memory, and automatic nervous system. So they think that, like, that also is what's, like, being triggered a lot when you're having deja vu. So that part is activated when you are having seizures and it disrupts your memory and your recognition, which is maybe like why they, some people are just like, what if deja vu is just like a mini seizure? You know, it definitely could like your brain just kind of short circuits for a second. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a misfire. But then, how does that explain my scenario? <laughs> do I just short sh- do I just short circuit a lot when uh, I'm dog sitting for people? Is it just like that area? Not good well. grounding, just electrocute my brain a little bit every time. <laughs> Maybe ah uh, something. We'll get into some theories, but also some people think that high dopamine dopamine levels can cause deja vu. Okay, now let's get into So if you're stressed, you get deja vu. Yes. But also if you're too happy, you get deja vu too. Emotions. Emotions. Your frontal lobe, man. Okay. So for those 3% of you that don't get deja vu... What's going on? Where are your emotions at? Yeah, maybe that's something. They're emotionless people. All right. So there is like the mix up of senses and memory. So this tries to explain the sensation of deja vu by linking our sensory perceptive perspectives. Wow, I'm so dumb sometimes. Only sometimes? Yeah. So they think that, like, we can recall information better when a place is the same environment. So, like, sights or smells or things they think are just triggering something in your brain. And recall a time when you saw or heard something that kind of may be similar to what you're talking about. But that's one where, to me, also it doesn't make sense. Like, if it's, like, with someone that you've just met in a new place that you've never been before. Mm-hmm. Dual processing is another theory. And it involves memory acting incorrectly or using a higher processing. When we receive something, our brain places it into our short-term memory. And if we continue to revise the processed information, it will eventually be transferred into our long-term memory. So it's easier for us to retrieve. Items stored in our short-term memory will be lost if we do not make an effort to fully encode them. For example, when we only temporarily remember the price of an item we bought. 
This theory suggests that when we perceive something, our brain is simultaneously trying to encode a new memory into our long-term memory, thereby creating an uncomfortable illusion that we have experienced it before. This theory may be confusing because it doesn't explain why the brain has timing errors in some moments but not others. Um, yeah, So that, and then we have parallel universe. So this is the idea that we live among million parallel universes containing millions of versions of ourselves carrying out our lives with different things in them. Believers in this theory claim that the human experience of deja vu can be explained by considering the unsettling feeling of having lived a moment before as a crossover with a parallel universe. This means that whatever you're doing or experiencing when you get the deja vu is also happening in a parallel universe. So that's why it's like weird. Okay. And then Which, it says, this is intriguing, but it's not backed by science. No shit. Nothing is backed by science. <laughs> um, it does make sense, though, that the parallel universe. I like my parallel universe theory of fourth dimension. No, um, you always exist in whatever timeline you live the longest. So, like, you know how, like, people will have, like, near-death experiences and, like, da-da-da-da-da. Well, any time that you personally would die, instead, your brain goes to another parallel universe where you don't die so like you always live you live as long your mind lives as long as it could have for whatever reason so, so like, do you think that maybe i died in the car accident and this is in just a other new parallel universe? universes maybe yeah oh. and there's like different versions of like me and kylo that exist in that universe but not another version of like you because you will always be in the universe that you live the longest. This is interesting. And so whenever you die is as good as it would have gotten. Dang. Whenever I truly die. <laughs> whenever you truly die. Damn. Can you imagine which, dying young and being like, that's the best it got? <laughs> honestly, you were set up for failure from the beginning. But, um,. Like, only you would know that, though. Because, like, there's a chance that, like, I could die in the universe where you live the longest. Or you could die in the universe that I live the longest. We're both living in whatever parallel universe. But they're just not the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very random theory, but now that we're talking about parallel universes, I'm going to put all of my craziness into one video. I'm here for it, so. And then we have familiar familiarity. I can't say this word ever. Base recognition, I'm sorry, but I have a hard time with all the L's. Familiarity. Familiar, familiarity? That still doesn't seem right. Familiarity. No, I'm done. We're over it. Familiarity. 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 <laughs> this still sounds wrong. Familiarity. Okay, so familiar, familiar, I'm done. And recollection. 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 No. Recollection. Wow. I'm so dumb. Recollection memory is when we recall seeing something which we have seen before, such as recognizing someone who lives in our street in a local store, and our brain retrieving it and applying it to, as true information, which we have encoded into our memory. And then the familiar one is different. This happens when we believe we are seeing something we recognize, but we have no memory of it actually happening previously, such as seeing a familiar someone familiar in a local store, but not being able to recall why we recognize them. Deja vu can be a form of familiar-based recognition, which would explain why we have such strong feeling of recognition when we experience deja vu. This theory has been psychologically tested by having participants look at the list of celebrities' names and later 
collection of celebrities' photos. However, some of the photos were not included in the names given to the participants earlier. Even though they showed faint recognition of the celebrities, they could not identify solely through the photographs their names. So deja vu could happen when we have a faint memory of something happening previously, but the memory is not strong enough for us to recall. And like, yeah, that is a strong theory, but what about with like people in places that are new? Maybe... So, like, the realistic science-based part of me is, like, maybe it's just, like, it feels familiar. Like, for whatever reason, like, the vibes are familiar. And so it triggers it. But it's not necessarily, like, the person or the place. It's, like, the overall, like, feeling. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't had deja vu in a while, so I feel like... Well, if you want, we can hook up some electrodes, try to shock you into getting it. <laughs> Just shock my brain. Just hope for the best. Oh, what electrotherapy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, then we have the hologram theory. The hologram theory is the idea that our memories are formed like three-dimensional images. Is this one that you're talking about? I have no idea. Which means that we have a structured frame network to them. This theory proposed by Hermann Snow suggests that the entire formation of our memory can be reconstructed by one element. Therefore, if one stimulus in our environment, a sound or smell, reminds you of a previous moment you've experienced, the entire memory can be recreated by our minds like a hologram. This explains deja vu by suggesting that when something in our current environment reminds us of our past, our brain makes a connection to the past and produces a hologram of the memory to make it feel like we're reliving it. So a lot of these are just like, it's just a memory that you don't remember having type of thing. Like you remember the smell and it's recreates everything from the smell but you personally don't remember yeah which like i guess there's i mean it definitely is possible that there's memories in my brain that i can just not like locate i guess but also are those memories that i want to remember no probably not like what is that what is that thing when you try to like recall repressed memories or whatever oh i don't know but it i understand what you're saying like it's not there for a reason yeah like maybe we shouldn't be remembering it so it's fine i guess if we're thinking about situations like that but then like deja vu i feel like repressed memories are usually bad things deja vu doesn't always feel like it's a bad thing that is true, but maybe it is a bad thing. And it's just mm. deceiving us. Yeah. Oh, well, let's put my two things together. Maybe deja vu is uh, when you're moving to the parallel world. For whatever reason, you died there. And so it rewinds you a little bit, just a tad because it's not like if you die, then it's over. So you got to rewind and then you go to the other world. And you like start from a couple seconds before you died. Exactly. Ooh. For whatever reason that you died. Ooh. Which again, what's happening? Am I getting mauled <laughs> by the dogs that I'm trying to watch? <laughs> something. Someone breaks in or something. I don't know. What's going on there? I had horrendous nightmares the first night that I stayed there, too. I don't get nightmares very often. Like, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've had nightmares in my adult life. That so. is terrifying. I would say stop dog sitting, but also they pay you, so, like, I get it. But the money. And I get to spend time with the doggos. Puppy pups. I debate quitting all the time, though, just because of how much of, like, a time commitment it is. Yeah. Oh. What are these people doing? Why do they have dogs? They It's their job. Like, they leave a lot for work. Okay. 
um because like they're higher ups and their main headquarters is in a different state so they have to go a decent amount of time that makes sense i'm like these people are literally always leaving (laughs) honestly all right and then we have pre-cognitive dreams a pre-cognitive dream is where a dream we have predict something that happens in the future Someone finds themselves in a situation they had previously dreamed about. A lot of people report having precognitive dreams about great tragedies, such as the sinking of the Titanic. Okay. (laughs) Suggesting that we have a subconscious sixth sense. This could explain deja vu by suggesting that the moment we have experience of living something before is when we have previously dreamed about that present happening. For example... You may have a dream about driving around a certain road, and then later you drive on the same road that is the one in your dream. I feel like that also is a pretty realistic one, and I know there's not science to back it up, but, like, I can believe it. Yeah, we can see a little bit into the future. In our dreams. In our dreams. Dream a little dream. Dream, dream, dream. Dream, 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 dream. (laughs) Gonna watch Shark Boy and Lava Girl later. Uh, I forgot that's what that's from. That is freaking wild. Um, so yeah, I kind of like that theory because then it also make it makes me feel like I'm just like a what a, a, a clairvoyant. Is that what that is? Yeah, clairvoyant. Okay. I think clairvoyant isn't. No, I think psychic is like see future. Clairvoyant is like predicts yeah i don't know how to describe the difference as much because in my mind like psychic is like that's so raven like see his little clip of the future yeah and clairvoyant is less like see the future and be like in more of like good things will happen if i do this yeah if that makes sense it does a little bit like you're at a thing, two paths in front of you. One leads to like you dying, the other one leads to million dollars. Clairvoyant will be like, I want to take the left path, but not really know like why. Yeah. And the psychic would be like, if I take the left path, I die. Yeah. So they they have the sense of what they should do. They just don't know exactly why where like psychics are like yeah it's just like more of like gut feeling intuition based yeah like okay i literally see the future here is another theory that i could get behind and it is a science-based one it's not a fun woo-woo one it is divided attention so this one is like so I was listening to a podcast and this is kind of how they explained it. And when they explained it this way, I was like, I can see this for some people. So like we're sitting there, we're talking about something, something crazy on the sideline happens and we're like, holy shit. And then we get distracted and completely forgot about what we were just saying. And we don't even like pick off from where we left off. We turn back to each other and then we just start the conversation over and then feel the deja vu because we have like a short attention span. So we're like slightly paying attention to the first time and then we get distracted and then you're go back to it. And then you're like, ah, this feels like it's happened before. Maybe. So it's more instead of like pulling from a past memory that we don't remember. It's like a you more zoned out. in the moment kind of thing. Which mm-hmm. I can get behind that a little bit more, especially because like I know some people that are easily distracted. I can see this as a theory for some people. Yeah, and that could explain more of like the new people that you meet too, like being able to explain like uh, I just kind of like was brushing past this person, but for whatever reason now I'm engaging with it, and I feel like. I feel the deja vu. Our subconscious is remembers it, but like we don't remember it because like we're not paying attention and then we get distracted, which yeah. Fair enough. 
And then there's amygdala. What is that? Is that how you say it? Amygdala. Amygdala. I also would like for everyone in the audience to know that I'm guessing based off of her pronunciation. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. It's amygdala. I don't have like a script in front of me so that we can see the words. I'm just trying my best out here. Dude, I just want to let everyone know that I was in special reading classes, so I'm so sorry I can't read. So for you parents out there that are debating putting their child in special reading classes, it doesn't really help in the long run. Just leave them in the normal class. No, no, no. It, it did help. I can read some big words, just not amygdala. <laughs> okay. So the amygdala is a small region of the brain, which is located on each cerebral hemisphere. The amygdala is involved in our experience of emotions, most commonly fear and anger. It is responsible for the fear response to things in our environment. So if you're afraid of spiders, your amygdala will process your response when you see one and that you're in a dangerous situation and it may act temporarily and distort your brain. So then if you were standing underneath a falling tree, your amygdala may have a panic response that causes your brain to malfunction. And so this can explain deja vu. But, like, I know what they're getting at, but no. I know what they're going for, but no. Yeah, because that seems more like what they're talking about is, like, oh, like, your brain remembers how to act in a fight, flight. It's, like, it's triggering that response again. But that is a different feeling than deja vu. Those with PTSD know what I mean. Okay. Because, like... Yeah, no. I, that one I'm not going for. That's a no for me, dog. A no for me, dog. <laughs> Another one is reincarnation. This is a general theory of reincarnation that we lived as someone in a previous life before and we were born into this one. So I still I don't understand how that would be deja vu for like... I'm skipping part of it because it's just like times. telling us about reincarnation, which like we all get it, we know. Okay. It says we can we carry no direct memories of our old life, but believers in this say that we come into life with a set of signals that reflect our state of consciousness. This means that memories created on one level of consciousness cannot be retrieved in another, like being unable to recall something that has happened when you're drunk. Okay. So like it's something similar did happen in a past life, but, like, since it's not, like, we can't access it, it feels like deja vu. Interesting. Like, it, we kind of have the feeling, like, soul level, I guess, would be. Yeah. Our soul recognizes it. But we don't. Yeah. It's okay. I'm I'm not mad at it. <laughs> no, I, I I can I can come to support that. We have the glitch theory, which apparently is the most bizarre yet exciting explanation, including included on this list. <sighs> Deja vu may seem like a minor moment in our lifetime, which you soon forgot something after it happens. But this theory, if this theory is true, deja vu could actually be a phenomenal event. Glitch theory describes deja vu as a momentary breakdown in our reality. Einstein famously suggested that there is no such thing as time, and that time is a human creation made to establish order and structure. However, time might simply be an illusion from which deja vu gives us a small break. This could explain why we feel like we have lived in the moment before, because if time is made up convention is a made up convention then what we believe to be the past, present, and future are actually happening simultaneously. Isn't this kind of what you said? Yeah. Okay. Therefore, deja vu occurs when we are simply sipping or slipping into a greater level of consciousness where we are able to live more than one experience at the same time. This theory has a wired implications too. If deja vu really is a glitch in reality, this may mean that damage to the foundations of our universe 
are created whenever an experience at deja vu occurs. Some people hypothesize that these are moments when UFOs can be sighted, but deja vu opens up bridges between different realities. That one could be interesting. So every time we experience, someone experiences deja vu, there's also UFOs coming into the earth. I I don't know about that. <laughs> I think my favorite theory is um, the time one. The last one that you just read? Yeah. Or yeah, the fourth dimensional. Yeah. That's what I feel in my soul. One day. Oh, there's a person on TikTok that kind of like does little like second dimensional, third dimensional things. Mm hmm. And, um, one of, like, the things that she did was she took, like, two-dimensional, like, human being drawing just, like, on a whiteboard. And she took the hat off of it and then, like, flipped it around in the third dimension. Like, took it off, flipped it, which you can't see my hands because my webcam's out. (laughs) And then put it back down. And so it went from, like, a... Fit, like front facing baseball cap to a backwards facing baseball cap on them and they're like so if like that happens they can never turn it back because they can move the hat like around it kind of like in a circle around in the second dimension but there's no way for the hat to go back to the way that it was without like the third dimensional influence yeah And so, if something fucks with us from the fourth dimension, there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, we can't fix it. We can't go back. So, those UFOs that are crashing into us and giving us the deja vu, if it's happening, doesn't matter. Nothing we can do about it. Until we can become fourth dimensional. Do you think we become fourth dimensional eventually, or do you just think that's something we'll never experience? I'm pretty sure it's something we'll never experience. I don't know for sure, but, like, unless, unless we can, like, transfer our consciousness, or unless that's, like, what happens after we die in the third dimension, whatever, then, uh, we'll never nothing will ever happen there was no time when we were living life as two-dimensional beings exactly that we know of i can't even imagine how that would work though like what happens when you need to get around a tree no you just don't you just just (laughs) exist there it would be different rules it wouldn't be the same rules that we live by now it would be very (laughs) very different i guess you're right because i'm also like trying to think of like a fourth dimension and what wouldn't what would be new that isn't here now and i can't imagine there being like another because it's essentially adding another layer to our dimensions right yeah so I can't, I cannot in my brain, which you said this, if you were two-dimensional, you can't think of a world of three dimensions. And I cannot think of a world of four dimensions. Like, how are we going to add another layer to this already? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Other the than whole like, thing is like... One that we can't see and the ghosts are also there. But that doesn't seem like the right kind of layer that they're talking about. No. The, <laughs> the layer would be like... I don't even know. How, there's no way to describe it, like how we would perceive it. I guess, like, do you know that mouse function where when you move your mouse really fast, there's like a bunch of like the little mouses that are behind it. Mine gets bigger and smaller. Like, um, no, it's like a setting where like you have like a little like oh. after image of where yeah. your mouse is. Yep, yep, yep. Um. It would be like that. It would be like somehow three-dimensional things like stacked on top of each other. Impossible to perceive. Impossible to think about unless our consciousness like moves to it, I guess. Because I'm just thinking, how do you sit on a chair then? <laughs> you don't. It would be very different. <laughs> very, very, very different. Oh, what a wild Just like we wouldn't about. be able to get around the tree. Yeah, true. Just different Nothing rules. would be the same. So no, I now that we talk about it more, there's no world that we move into that dimension. Yeah, it's just something that we'd have to live in a a, a different life. 
Exactly. Each time you die, you move to another dimension. Yeah. I Imagine think so. a world with ten dimensions. You know, in like eight lifetimes, maybe it'll make more and more sense as we get there. Maybe. My story is the bizarre death of Gloria Ramirez, the toxic lady. At 8.15 p.m. on... Is this a real story? Yeah. Okay, no, I didn't do this. Okay. On February 9th, 1994, uh, paramedics wheeled 31-year-old Gloria Ramirez, semi-conscious, into the emergency room at Riverside General Hospital in Monroe Valley, California. 45 minutes later, Ramirez was dead, and 23 out of the 37 ER staff were ill after being exposed to toxic fumes radiating from Ramirez's body. Some medical professionals were so sick they required hospitalization. Now... 28 years later, despite one of the largest forensic investigations in history, no conclusive cause of her toxicity has been identified. The toxic lady drew worldwide attention. No one in medical science had experienced this, nor had anyone heard of it. How could a dying woman radiate enough toxic to po- enough toxin to poison so many people yet leave no pathological trace? Um, The medical cause of Ramirez's death was clear, though. She was in stage 4 cervical cancer and had gone into renal failure, which led to cardiac arrest. Anatomically, the fumes had nothing to do with Gloria Ramirez's death, but what caused them? Um, If the toxic admittance was not a death factor, then what in the world is going on here was the question going in so many minds. Medical, legal, and common person. To answer that as best as possible, it's necessary to look at Ramirez's case facts, both from what the eyewitness is said and what the forensic science can tell us. Gloria Ramirez, a wife and mother of two, was in terrible health when she'd arrived in Riverside Hospital. She'd rapidly deteriorated after being in a palliative home-based care with a diagnosed case of terminal cervical cancer. In the evening of February 9th, Ramirez developed Shane Strokes, or sorry, Cheyenne Strokes breathing, and went into cardiac arrhythmia and heart palpitations. Severe ap. Apnea and hyperventilation, apparently, is... Is what that is? What that is. Okay. What's apnea? Um, it's just, like, breathing issues. I think sleep apnea is where you just, like, stop breathing. Okay. Like, I know that's, like, when you sleep, you just stop breathing. Yeah. Um. Weird. But anyway... Both were well-known signs of imminent death, and her home care, or her home care team, called an ambulance and had her rushed to the hospital as a last life-saving resort. A term, sorry. So, like, at home, no one around her was getting sick. No. Okay. Her caregivers didn't have any issues. Like there was nothing immediately. A terminal cancer patient was nothing new to Riverside ER. She was immediately triaged, and time-proven techniques were quickly applied. First, an IV of Ringer's lactate solution was employed, a standard procedure for stabilizing possible blood and electrolyte deficiencies. Next, the trauma team sedated Ramirez with injections of diazepam, metazolam, and lorazepam. I hate that I have to read all of these, but it all does come into play later. Yeah. Because all of the theories are like, what possible combination or whatever. But anyway. Of drugs. Yeah. yeah. Thirdly, they began applying oxygen with an ambag, which forced purified air directly into Ramirez's lungs, rather than hooking her up to a regular on-demand oxygen supply. So far, Ramirez's case was typical. It wasn't until RN Susan Kane installed a catheter into Ramirez's arm to get a blood sample, that circumstances went from controlled to completely uncontrollable. 
Kane immediately noted an ammonia-like odor emanating from the syringe tip when she removed it from the catheter. She handed the syringe to Maureen Welsh, a respiratory therapist, and then Kane leaned closer to Ramirez to try and trace the unusual odor. Welsh also sniffed the syringe later and agreed with the ammonia-like smell. It was like how rancid blood smells when people take chemotherapy treatment, Welsh would say. Welsh turned the syringe over to Julie Gorginski, a medical resident, who noticed manila-colored particles floating in the blood, as well as confirming the ammonia odor. The Dr. Humberto Ochoa, I'm so bad, so many weird names, I'm so bad at this, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Uh, The ER in charge also observed the peculiar particles and gave a fourth opinion that the syringe smelled of ammonia. Everyone's saying it smells like ammonia. Susan Kane, the first nurse that took the blood, stood up from Ramirez, who was still alive at the time, and felt faint. Kane moved towards the door and promptly passed out, being caught in the nick of time before bouncing her head off of the floor. Julie Gorginski also succumbed. She was put on a gurney and removed as Maureen Welsh presented the same symptoms of being overcome by a noxious substance. By now, everyone near the dying Gloria Ramirez was feeling the effects. Ochoa himself now felt ill and ordered the ER evacuation and for everyone, staff and patients to muster in the open parking lot where they stripped down to their underclothes and stuffed their outer garments into hazmat bags. Ramirez remained on on an ER stretcher. A secondary trauma team quickly donned hazmat... um, PPE, like personal protective equipment, I think. Yeah. And went to give Ramirez what little help was left. They did CPR until 8.50 when the supervising doctor declared Gloria Ramirez to be dead. Taking utter precaution, the backup trauma team sealed Gloria Ramirez's body in multiple layers of body shrouds, sealed it in an aluminum casket, and placed it in an isolated section of the morgue. Then they activated a specially trained hazmat team to comb the ER for traces of whatever substance had been released and caused such baffling effects to so many people. They found nothing. Meanwhile, Riverside Hospital staff had to treat their own. Five workers were hospitalized, including Susan, Julie, Maureen, and Maureen. Gorginski suffered the worst and spent two weeks detoxifying in the intensive care unit i have to detoxify myself Uh, honestly the riverside pathologists face a daunting and dangerous task autopsying the body which they considered a canister of nerve gas harboring a uh, pathogen or toxic chemical in airtight moon suits (laughs) Three pathologists performed what might have been the world's fastest autopsy. 90 minutes later, they exited a sealed and airtight examining room with samples of Lori Ramirez's blood and tissues along with air from within the shrouds and the sealed aluminum casket. It's so weird. Like, can you imagine capturing air, just like taking a vial, opening it and closing it again to (laughs) investigate later? Do you got to shake out the old air? I don't know. You're like... (laughs) How do you know when it's full of the correct air? (laughs) Yeah. You, you like, dump it out, and then you move it real fast and cap it. Exactly. You gotta scoop in real fast. Yeah, like you're catching a butterfly. Exactly. Um, The autopsy and subsequent toxicology testing found nothing. Nothing remotely abnormal that would explain how a routine cancer patient could be so incredibly hostile. I don't think the patient was hostile. (laughs) I don't think so. Their body was hostile. (laughs) Okay. The cause of death was agreed to be cardiac arrest brought on by kidney failure attached to the stage four cervical cancer. The cancer caused a kidney failure, which caused the heart attack. Mm -hmm. the riverside coroner concurred 
and his mandate was fulfilled with no doubt left to why and how Glory Ramirez died. For the coroner, that should have been it. There was no evidence linking the mysterious fumes to the cause of death, and whatever byproduct was in the ER air was not a contributor to the the demise. The problem should have been one for the hospital to figure out on their own, However, the Riverside Corner was under immense public pressure to identify the noxious substance for no other reason than preventing it from happening again. Wouldn't that suck? Yeah, but it makes sense because, like, you got to figure out why this lady was toxic. But also, it's like, that's not my job. Like, get the government to come out here and do it. Yeah, or, like, some extra funding. Yeah, I don't know, like, whose job would that be? I mean, it does seem fitting for a doctor to do it. Yeah, but also, like, if you're a coroner at a hospital and, like, some weird shit happens, I feel like sometimes that's just, like, above your pay grade. Yeah, I'm sure there's, like, higher paid... I'm sure the government has some on standby that are, like... Yeah, like, some people that, like, go look at terrorist attacks just send them to go investigate. Yeah. The coroner worked with the hospital, the health department, the toxicology lab, and Gloria Ramirez's family to try and come to some sort of reasonable conclusion. The Ramirez family had no clue, or no suspicions of any foreign substance Ramirez had ingested or been exposed to that could cause the toxic effect. And again, somehow, this happened between her struggling at home and being brought to the hospital because like caregivers didn't get affected no one in her family was affected yeah well and like didn't they do like a tox screen on her and nothing yeah they didn't find anything offhand that triggered anything like nothing in her she didn't have toxic like poisoning in her body she was just poisoning other people Yeah, there was nothing that should have led to that. The toxicology lab was at a wit's end. They'd never seen any case like this, let alone heard of one. And the health department went off on a tangent. They assigned a two-person team, a team of medical research professionals, to interview every person exposed to the ER and the surrounding area on February 9th, on the day that Gloria Ramirez was admitted. They profiled those people so closely that the two expert team even cross-compared what everyone did or didn't have for dinner that night. Like, they went into as much detail as they possibly could. Yeah. When that preeminent probe was over, and no closer to a smoking gun than the struck-out hazmat team, the interviews came to a conclusion. Mass hysteria. Oh my gosh. The team of two medical doctors, both research scientists, concluded that there was no poisonous gas. In their view, the absence of evidence, and there was only in the absence of evidence, there was only one explanation, and that was that 23 people simply imagined they were sick. Some, they concluded, had had such vivid imaginations that they placed themselves into the intensive care unit. But did they have any, like, did they do lab work on them to see if they had any, like, exposure to certain things? Um, there was nothing that came in toxicology from, like, anyone. Okay, okay. I think, I don't know, the intensive care, I think, might have been, like, if you have, like, bad blood pressure. Like, there was physiological responses, Otherwise, it, they wouldn't have been put, like, in intensive yeah, care. They might have been just admitted. just go into ICU because you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, there had to be some sort of, like, physiological, like, low blood pressure, body temps. Like, something was wrong. Mass hysteria, I don't love the answer for anything. I especially don't love it for doctors because, like, doctors are around sick people all the time. And they're not, like, hypochondriacs. They're not going to convince themselves that they're sick. Especially, like, so many of them. Yeah. 23 people, which I think some of those were patients, but for so many people to go, like, through the mass hysteria thing is kind of crazy. And, like, maybe the patients kind of were, like, just going along, what is it, like, the placebo effect, like, 
they convince themselves or whatever. But like doctors and nurses, I'm like, they're smart enough to know better. Yeah. And um, so that report was delivered to the health department. And while uh, like they were trying to get that, some of the healthcare workers who could have died during the exposure, like some of the people that they were basically accusing of imagining it, launched a defamation lawsuit against the hospital, the health department, and the two investigators who concocted the mass hysteria conclusion. Honestly, um, I would too. Yeah. And frustrated with like the answers that they were getting, the coroner, who was way outside of what he should have done, turned to outside help, and he found it at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories near San Francisco. Lawrence Livermore initially wasn't in the medical or toxicology business. They were nuclear weapons makers with a busy mandate back in the Cold War era. And now, by the 90s, like, that that wasn't as much like the Cold War anymore. So they had expanded their horizons by creating a forensic science sensor at their national laboratories. Brian and- Andresen, not Anderson, Andresen. Andresen, that weird. Andresen. Uh, Andresen. <laughs> Brian Andresen. Uh, the center's director took on the toxicology, the toxic lady case. The coroner gave Andresen all the biological samples from Ramirez's autopsy, as well as the air trapping containers. Anderson set about using the a using gas chromatopic mass spectrometers, which would have been the same process that the toxicologies would have come up with, that would have used to come up with a nothing to see here, folks result. But Anderson did find something new to see. He found traces of dimethyl sulfoxide, DMSO, in Ramirez's system. Not a, a lot, just traces, but it was clearly there. Anderson felt he was onto something. On its own, dimethyl sulfoxide is stable and harmless. It's an organic sulfur compound with the chemical formula, blah, blah, blah and is readily available as a degreasing agent used in automotive cleaning. It's also commonly ingested and topically applied by a cult-like self-medicating culture of cancer patients. So it is something that, like, some people are, like, um, homeopathic, like, I should drink this degreasing agent because it might help me. Yeah. At one time, there was a clinical trial approved by the FDA to use DMSO as a medicine for pain treatment, and it was dearly adopted by the athletic world as a miracle drug for sports industry. They abruptly dropped the program, though, when they realized that prolonged use could make people go blind. Oh, no. So they're like, "Mm, this isn't actually that safe to use. Um, Brian Anderson developed a theory, a theory adopted by many scientists who desperately wanted some sort of scientific straw to grasp in explaining the bizarre death of Gloria Ramirez. Anderson's theory went like this. Gloria had been self-medicating with DMSO. When she went into distress at the house, the paramedics placed her in the ambulance and immediately applied oxygen. Ramirez received more oxygen at the ER, which started a chemical reaction with the DMSO already in her system. No, normally it is a stable and harmless mix. However, according to Anderson's theory, when the medical staff applied intense oxygen, the DMSO chemically changed by adding another oxygen atom to the formula, creating dimethyl sulfone. DMSF also is harmless and commonly found in plants and marketed as a dietary supplement. So far, so good. It's when... Sorry? A sulfone. <laughs> A soul phone. <laughs> um, it's when four oxygen atoms are present that the stuff turns nasty. The compound dimethyl sulfate emits a terribly toxic gas. This is what Anderson suspected was a smoking gun. The amplified oxygen The amplified or the increased amount of oxygen turned the self-medicated dimethyl sulfoxide Ramirez was taking into dimethyl sulfone, which morphed into the noxious emissions dimethyl sulfate. 
The coroner liked it, and so did many leading scientists. The coroner released Anderson's report as an addendum to his final report, and even though all agreed that if dimethyl sulfate was gassed off by Ramirez in the ER, that made it was that that made so many people sick, and still had absolutely nothing to do with the toxic lady's death. It was just an unfortunate coincidence. She was already dying, and then like that happened. That wouldn't have killed her, though. Like if no, you were, okay. it it could have, but, but she I was think already like, dying she was already something. dying of something else. Dang, people! You got to tell your doctors what medicine you're taking. Honest. There were two problems with the conclusion, though. One was more scientists were disagreeing than agreeing. Some dissenters were world-class toxologists who said it was chemically impossible for hospital-administered oxygen to set off this reaction. And two was Ramirez's family who adamantly denied that she was self-medicating with DMSO. Which, like... But it was in her system. It was in her system. Yeah, so she was. It was definitely in her system. It somehow got there. The toxic lady case interest was far from over. Many people knew DMSO would be present in minute amounts in most people's bodies. Oh, so maybe there is a chance that it could have been there. They called bullshit. It's a common ingredient in processed food and metabolizes well with a quick pass-through rate in the urinary tract. Um, In Ramirez's case, she had a urinary tract blockage which triggered the renal failure, so it's possible, like, it was just a normal amount that was in food, but because her kidneys weren't working, it, like, stacked up. Yeah. On the sidelines, there were knowledgeable people and that were strongly saying another chemical would give the same ammonia-like gassing off toxins that kicked that ticked all of the 23-person symptoms boxes. Methylamine. Methylamine isn't rare. It's produced in high qualities as a cleaning agent, often shipped in pressurized railroad cars, but it's tightly controlled by the government. That's because methylamine can be used for biological terrorism and for cooking meth. Um, the New York Times ran a story giving an alternate theory of what happened to make the toxic lady toxic. Whether the Times got a tip or some inside information, they didn't say. What they did say was that Riverside County was one of the largest methylamine manufacturing and distribution points in America, and that Riverside hospital workers had been smuggling out methylamine to sell to meth cookers. So they were, like, trying to be, like, The hospital was doing some shady shit. Yeah. The report said that Riverside hospital workers used IV bags to capture and store the methylamine, as the IV bags were sealed, safe to handle, and entirely inconspicuous. The story theorized that an IV bag loaded with about-to-be-smuggled methylamine accidentally found its way into the ER and got plugged into Gloria Ramirez's arm. Because it turns to gas so quickly when exposed to oxygen, This would explain why no traces were found in toxicology testing. It all went into the air and the lungs of 23 people. Okay. As a former, and this is just from the person that wrote it, as a former coroner, I'd be skeptical of this methylamine theory, except for personal knowledge of a similar case. My cross shift attended a death where a meth cooker had methylamine get away from him in a clandestine lab. The victim made it outside yelling for help, but shortly succumbed. The civilians, hearing his cries, rushed over and were immediately overpowered with the exact symptoms as the Riverside medical people experienced. The first responders also succumbed to toxic fumes and had to back off. By the time my cross shift arrived to view the body, many contaminated people were already at the hospital. He signed off the death as an accident, declined to autopsy, and sent the body straight to a crematorium. Yeah. Accompanied by guys in hazmat suits with the body sealed in a metal container and strapped to a flatbed truck. Could you imagine being on the highway and just seeing a coffin strapped to the back of a flatbed? <laughs> Honestly, I would kind of love it. But then it would be like, I don't know. Obviously, there I wouldn't know but then, but I now if I ever see it, I'd be like, that's a toxic person. Yes. So it says, do I buy the Times methylamine theory? Well, I'm a big believer in Occam's razor, you know. 
When you have two conflicting hypotheses for the same puzzle, the simpler answer is usually correct. There's like a chance that it was some one in a billion complex chemical reactions or some low-life crooked hospital drone letting an IV bag full of stolen methylamine get away from them. Which seems possible. Which seems possible. This is actually, I've seen the story a couple of times and um, it's not in this article that I found, but there was another theory that like, with the same like oxygenation thing that when they used um when they tried to like shock her back to life or like shock the heart i don't know what that's called i can't remember it offhand like that also contributed like the energy needed to like make the chemical reaction yeah but uh i i really it's hard to tell but would somebody really not keep track of it like how would that get mixed up well if they're trying to make it not so noticeable that they're taking this from the hospital and selling it for drugs makers i could see it being in the wrong bag and someone else grabbing it and being like oh she just needs her liquids or something Mm -hmm. and putting it up like i can see it yeah, that is fair. Well, because you also have to think about, like, that's not that's not the first time, and it won't be the last time, of, like, hospitals mixing up medicines or bags or fucking babies. Like, hospitals mix shit up. True. Never mind. Yeah, hospitals <laughs> do kind of fuck around sometimes, like, don't fucking, they? Like, I know Switched at Birth is a show, but I, that is a real thing that has happened, so. Yeah. But yeah, that is my story for the day. Just kind of a weird... I like it. Somebody interesting. went to the hospital. I am glad that it hasn't been read before. I don't know why. I could have sworn that we have gone into it, but... I don't think I've heard it. I don't know. But either way, good story. Reddit is still down. I'll be back with the Backwoods stories next week. They're my favorite. They are, but that one was good. And I think for the foreseeable next couple of weeks, me and Josh will just be telling stories. And depending on how Kyla feels, she will join in or not. So, yes. Anywho, thank you for listening. Thank you. This has been The Weird and Suspicious. Have a great night. Have a good night.